All right, folks, this is Dr. Nathan Street. I'm here with Carolina Conservatives and Preachers with a Punch. And we are at this point going to be talking to one of our candidates. And now full disclosure here that Corey Bortry, he is the Jeremy Boring. You know, he's like the Daily Wire guru here. So he is in charge of Carolina Conservatives and the network there. So we are thrilled to have him joining with us, but he's also running for office. And so uh, I want to introduce you to Corey Bordfree. Corey, tell us a little bit about yourself and why you're running for this office in North Carolina House District 78. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Nathan. So um, my name is Corey Bordfree. I'm running for, uh, and like you say, North Carolina House District 78. Um, Look, if you're like me, you're pretty concerned with just what's going on in our country right now, what's going on in our nation. Um, You know, we have inflation that's just running away here. Mm. I don't have to tell you about our governor. You've been talking quite a bit about our governor. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Chicken coop is what we like to call him. (laughs) Chicken coop. Yeah, I I always just called him Roy Pooper, but. Oh, I like that uh, even better. (laughs) um, You know, we have indoctrination happening in schools. books on shelves having virtual pornog virtually pornography in in these books which you know there is reason for concern Mm -hmm. um and i'm running for office because of my family or my parents you know grew up in poverty uh i grew up homeschooled in the business that brought them out of it i'm the first in my family to graduate with a bachelor's degree um from campbell university okay and i'm running because I want families across our state to have the same opportunities that my family had, you know, I mean, we're proof that the American dream isn't dead. And I want to see that remain true. Mm. I think it's pretty powerful. And, and you really touched on some, some concepts that are some really hot button issues right now. And one of those being, education in North Carolina, you know, it's always a hot button issue, but when you've got most of your, uh, of the state budget that is being funneled into these school districts that God only knows where that money goes after that, it needs to be a hot button issue. So you, you really touched on virtual school pornography with these books. If you get this, get in this seat, what are you going to do about that with the with books that are on the shelves in a lot of school libraries, even elementary schools that are highly sexualized in nature? What could you possibly do about that? I mean, I'm fairly certain there should be laws on the books already that ban pornography in schools. And if there's not, that's a huge oversight. Mm-hmm. So I think it would be very simple to ban pornography in schools if it's not already done. And if it is already done, then hold the people accountable who have not enforced the law. Mm. Beyond that, um, we have the issue where since some schools are funded by the state, you have an issue where the state has endorsed anything going on in that school. And that means as a Christian group, you're able to come in and start a Christian group. But then you have these guys in Greensboro, they started a school Satanist club and they say that it's like, you know, they're, they're atheists and like they're a non-atheist or they're a non, what's the term? Non-theistic. Non-theistic religion, which I don't even know what that's supposed to mean. That's up to the courts. I don't don't care on that. You know, they, 
you know, legally they are a religion. And that's kind of a weakness in our school system being the way it is, is we have to base it. We're held to the standard where we are supposed to allow that. But here's what would fix it. School choice. Real school choice. What is that? What is real school choice? Well, I'll tell you what is not real school choice. I grew up homeschooled and my parents paid for an empty chair that sat at Southwest High School. My parents paid for an empty chair that sat at Farmer Elementary School. And that's wrong. <laughs> you know, what the easiest way to do is uh, we already spend money. We already do it on a per pupil basis. So why don't we actually switch to a voucher system and in fact, a real voucher system where schools, including the ones that stand now, will be able to compete for government money. And the glorious part about that is because those schools are now on a free market and they can change their policies. They can choose whether or not they're going to share with parents what they're doing or whether or not they want to keep it secret. And we can see how many parents want to keep uh, sending their kids to a school where parents don't get to know what's going on and parents are kicked out of the meetings and parents don't get to look at the real curriculum. They're told, in fact, the teachers are told specifically to not uh, look up the real curriculum and parents are told they can't attend on a zoom meeting. I'll tell you, I would pull my kid out of the school very, very quickly if that was the policies and I, I had the ability to do it. Private schooling, homeschooling should not be something that is only for the select few who are able to get the opportunity scholarship or for rich kids that needs to be open to everyone. You know, like you want to talk about equality. Let's not talk about, you know, giving somebody the right to kill their baby in the womb. Let's talk about giving their child the right to an education. Hmm. And I'm not in favor. I'm not saying that we're going to have to expand funding on this. I think we can move around funding in such a way you probably through a more uh, voucher based system. That'll do a lot. And, you know, again, like that's, I imagine the, a lot of uh, state employees probably would not like that answer, but. Well, that's exactly what I was thinking just now, Corey, is what you're saying is I think is popular uh, across the board from all the research that I've seen, regardless. I mean, even with Democrats, what you are saying is popular, but regardless of the racial uh, disaggregation, whatever, it's popular and it's particularly popular with African-American families. Uh, so what you're saying is really highly popular, but state employees, including the North Carolina Association of Educators, they're going to they're going to start shrieking and screaming bloody murder because of what you're saying. What do you do when they start accusing you of, well, you're just anti-public school. You just want to destroy public school. Your public education we've had for 250 years. You want to just destroy all that and tear down the whole system. What do you say to somebody like that? Well, for one, we have had a public school system for 250 years, and I'd say the indoctrination is proof that it's failed. And we're not taking away their jobs. We're forcing them to compete in the free market, just like anybody else has to do. Um, you sh you're, there should not be any special protection for somebody just because they work for the government over a private business. Yeah. Uh, additionally, like, look, it's going to be hard to get this passed. It's going to be hard to, you know, accomplish all these issues. I have a lot of friends. I know a lot of people who are running for office across the state who support these policies. I'm not afraid of getting the votes eventually. Um, but until then, the reason that I'm the best candidate in this race 
is because I have a history of fighting when it needs to be fought, even if that's against other Republicans. I don't care if I have to stand in the middle of Raleigh with a megaphone. People are going to know which Republican sided with the state employees against their children. Mm, that's pretty powerful. You know, and, and, and so you have no problem at all when Tim Moore or Phil Berger comes to you and says, you know, this is just not how we do things around here, Corey. You're going to have no problem at all standing up against Tim Moore and Phil Berger and doing what your constituents have sent you to Raleigh to do? You know, uh, Tim Moore does a lot of good, and I've seen a lot of uh, policies where we would disagree on. I've seen a lot of policies where we would agree on. I would say a majority of the time we would agree with Phil Berger, and a majority of the time we would agree with Tim Moore. What's important is when you're working in Raleigh, sticking to your values. Now, if you are going to vote against the caucus and cause trouble for no reason just to be dramatic, you know, I don't blame them for not liking you. But if you were saying, hey, I'm voting against you guys on this, and this is why, well, if somebody can't respect that, then I don't really care to have their respect. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. And, and you know, we, we're going to be hearing, I think, a lot more from Tim Moore and Phil Berger, especially with this leak that happened with the, uh, with the, the Supreme Court and what's getting ready to potentially, what we think is getting ready to happen with Roe v. Wade being overturned. So it's going to be kicked back to the states. And you in the legislature, you're going to have to deal with what is actually going on uh, when that happens. So what do you do? What, what kind of stand do you take as far as North Carolina goes in dealing with the abortion issue? Where, how far do you go? Do you outright ban every single thing, every everything to do with abortion? Or do you have certain parameters that you're that you would allow abortion to actually exist up oh, you're you're muted by the way now muted there we go there you uh, go i believe there's nothing wrong with being a peacemaker i do believe there's something wrong with being philosophically incoherent i do not believe there is any way that i could justify any abortion um, now, a lot of people will try and uh, throw in the term ectopic pregnancy and say, oh, well, you have to use an abortion to get rid of that. And that's an abortion. Therefore, you're trying to ban life-saving health care for something that can't survive in the first. No, it's not. It's an ectopic pregnancy. That is different. Um, and we're going to have the technology one day to save that. So it's a non-issue. When it comes to killing a unborn baby in the womb, or after it's born, evidently, if you look at Virginia and some other places, then that should not that that should not be a thing. That should not be legal. That should not happen. That should not be. There is no. There is nothing. There is no way I could ever justify voting for any amount of that to be legal. And I think that to vote and say, oh, it's uh, three weeks. Oh, it's twelve weeks. Anything but conception is philosophically a lie. So you believe life begins at the point of conception, right? There's no other point for it to possibly begin. I mean, uh, it can't be not alive one day and alive a second day. Makes sense. Like that doesn't that doesn't make sense. The only thing that can possibly make sense to me is conception. You know, viability doesn't even go into that. Like we don't kill old people because they're old. We don't kill uh, um, young people because they're young. We don't we don't 
do this like Nazi-like stuff when it comes to uh, people outside the womb. We don't kill people if they don't have a job for more than six months. All those things would be something out of a horror movie about an evil state. So then why is it that all of a sudden viability matters when it comes to a human life in the womb? So just bold down to brass tacks, yes or no, you would be in favor of an outright total ban on all abortion, regardless of rape, incest, regardless of what happened, you'd be for a total ban on abortion. Absolutely. We do not, um, we do not punish uh, children for the sins of their fathers. Uh, great. I, I, I agree with that. So we've got also this little issue that has sort of cropped up uh, over the last week of, well, we've got some congressmen in Washington that are funding NIH, the National Institutes of Health, who are conducting experiments using fetal cells. Now, this is all, you know, attached to abortion. Well, the argument was made that, well, those fetal cells were actually harvested 30 years ago. So, you know, so you're kind of being, you're being a little overdramatic here. Would you be in favor of sending taxpayer money to fund experiments using any kind of fetal cell, regardless of when it was harvested uh, and uh, us benefiting from that at all? No, sir. I, I don't think that that would be a wise decision. I mean, I think all that would really do is like, again, it would normalize something that should not be normalized. You know, it's like, well, you know, this guy died. It's, it's like if you're on an island and it's like somebody's died and it's like, well, since we didn't kill him, like we're just going to eat him. It's, it's still cannibalism. That's still like a crime against humanity. Like that's not, you know, it's like that is that is what abortion is. It's a crime against humanity. There, we should not do anything to benefit from or use a crime against humanity. So let's say that North Carolina, you and and your and colleagues in the legislature outright ban abortion and everything associated with abortion, including this research. But we have a mother. Well, I shouldn't say a mother. Let's call her a woman because it's not a it's not a mother that goes and seeks an abortion. I'm just that's the way it is. But they go across the line to Virginia, where I'm sure abortion will still be legal in some form or fashion. And she gets an abortion in Virginia. Now, North Carolina has outlawed it. She's a citizen of North Carolina. What do we do? What kind of consequences are there consequences for this woman who has gone and gotten a legal abortion according to Virginia law, but is illegal according to North Carolina law. What do we do with that? Do we do anything with that? The difficulty there will be passing a law that will win under the constitution. Uh, once it's legally challenged, that's your difficulty. Um, obviously, yeah, I don't want people to be able to go across the border and, you know, get something that they're, you know, that they shouldn't do. Like, again, like that's illegal. They're get, using it to get around state law. Um, the Commerce Clause of the U.S. Constitution, I think, would probably be what was cited to stop that because states are not allowed to regulate interstate commerce, which is horrifically what that would fall under. Now, because of its, uh, you know, standards, I, I don't know. I think it's hard, it's hard to say, you know, should California ba basically should California be able to uh, say, all right, I don't want anybody to use ivermectin. And if somebody goes to Arizona and buys ivermectin. I'm going to arrest them for having gone into Arizona and buying ivermectin. And my question is, are there laws in the past that have done that? And if so, what did they look like? So 
I would actually have to consult a lawyer on what to do about that. I know what's right, which is we need to find a way to stop that. As far as how do we actually stop that? What does that bill look like? Is that something that we have to do here or put pressure? And this is what I think it would be. This is where we would have to put pressure on our congressmen. This is where the state legislature, me and you, uh, together. And it's a lot harder to shut up as somebody who's in the state house of representatives, you know, like a congressman can kind of shut his door to somebody, but when a congressman shuts his door to a state rep, that's news. Hmm. So I think putting pressure on Washington politicians would be probably the best way to go about handling that. Hmm. I think that makes, it makes a lot of sense. And, and, uh, you know, uh, probably another thought would be taxation. I mean, maybe there's consequences through taxation, in that, you know, you've got somebody that goes across the lines that, uh, um, you know, we, we do interstate taxation quite often. Uh, you know, yeah. I, if I do work in Virginia, I'm going to get taxed in Virginia and in North Carolina. So, you know, something like that would, could, could, uh, and, and I, legality, you're right. What do you do legally? That's going to be the big thing because we haven't gotten to that point yet. We're going to have to cross that bridge when we come to it, really. Um, Absolutely. And, th- and that's the thing is like you can and you can, you know, pass a law in the meantime to like, you know, kind of restrict that to put like a, uh, you know, you can do it like with a gun, um, like they do with silencers here in the state. You know, they put, I think, a four hundred dollar tax stamp on buying a silencer mm-hmm. and uh, they passed that in the 1960s. So in the 1960s, you basically could choose between buying a single silencer for your gun or buying a car or a good down payment on a house or. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that was a lot more back then. So, you know, there is some stuff where uh, there is precedence for setting ridiculously high taxes on stuff. And then, and again, like, you know, they'll, they'll sue about it. It'll go through the court. Um, you know, again, like it's the question is, you know, this is a legal issue, but is it a court issue? Is it a uh, Congress issue or is it a state house issue? I'm leaning towards more at being, you know, those two. And the main thing that I'll do is speak out on that, you know, in favor of banning it but Good. that would be my, that that's my best answer for it. I think like, I think so. Too. I mean, we Good. can try and pass a law, but I want to actually do stuff that's going to end abortion, not do stuff that makes me feel good about my record. Mm. Yeah. That's pretty powerful. That's good. So our, our folks in Raleigh are right now maybe should be focusing on what are they, how are they going to handle this? Should it come? But instead we've got Republicans and Democrats focusing on marijuana and gambling and legalizing this. So when you get to Raleigh, are you going to support legalizing marijuana and why and support legalizing gambling and why? And could you tell us a little bit more about what's going on with that? So are you talking about legalizing recreational marijuana? Medical, medical marijuana, I think is what they're focusing on right now. But I do want to hear what you've got to say about both. Do we legalize medical marijuana? Do we legalize recreational marijuana? Why or why not? I don't know enough about medical marijuana to say yes or no. Um, that That's something I want to make very clear because I'll tell you what I've seen. I've seen uh, people, you know, friends of mine lose their lives on opioids. Um, I've seen people lose their lives from heroin overdoses and I've seen people, um, you know, and I've seen people who are on bad antidepressants and effectively have their life ruined. Whereas, you know, I've also seen, you know, and I I would never, you know, mess with this stuff. I've seen, you know, like I've, 
I've seen interesting results from, you know, people who have done weed. I've seen people who have uh, basically ruined their lives on it. And again, I don't mess with uh, any, I, I tend to stay out of those crowds for obvious reasons. You don't mess, you know, you don't, you don't hang out with people like that for same reason. You don't hang out with drug dealers or whatever. But also, I mean, frankly, like, look, if I, if I, I, I would not put somebody in my car who I thought might have it on them because I'm sorry, I don't need to go to jail for something that somebody else did. Yeah. <laughs> but um, in general, um, if there were studies that showed that marijuana when prescribed by a doctor and used a specific way was a not harmful and B less addictive than opioids and was able to actually prove that then I would be open to it medically. If it cannot be proven that it is medical, if it cannot be, and the third thing to that is, can the loopholes be tied because everybody has medical marijuana in the areas where um, it was legalized? And that obviously can't work, you know, because I don't believe that recreational marijuana would be a good thing. Um, Why not? You know, just flat right, flat, flat out. We've, we've got, we've seen that and, and let me, let me pose it this way to you. We have legalized alcohol and alcohol is a drug. Why would a naturally grown God given God granted plant not also be, uh, legalized considering that alcohol is legal in general with, uh, recreational marijuana, um, we've seen, potential issues with it. And again, if it can be proven that it wouldn't cause these issues, I would be more open to legalizing it like alcohol. In fact, that's been one of the main arguments I've heard for it is if alcohol is legal, why should it be illegal? And that's a, and that's a hard one for me. You know, one, um, even if it were to be legalized, we don't need any drastic social change. Um, in and he's back. <laughs> I promise that was not trying to get out of the question. I just said that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, my phone legit overheated. It said, um, what you can tell, I'm sweating. Uh, my phone overheated because I was in the car, and um, it's not happy about running Zoom. And, and I promise, too, that we, we're not making you sweat here. That was that was you sitting in the heat. So, <laughs> Although it would be quite cool for us to say, man, we made him sweat. Oh, no, I wouldn't do that. We wouldn't do that. I got so you. You were talking yeah, about recreational marijuana and that, you know, in light of it being uh, compared to alcohol and alcohol being legal and both being a drug and marijuana being natural, the, the the door is potentially open for you to consider the data, correct? Well, that's all we have is the data and whether or not, I mean, you know, well, the data is what we have to determine everything, right? Like that's all we can is lean on the facts of the case. Um, right now, my understanding, and again, this is not, I'm not running to, um, I'm not really running on, legalizing marijuana or opposing marijuana i'm running because i want small businesses to be helped i want christian values to be defended um and i want our kids to not be indoctrinated in schools um from what i've seen of it i don't think that legalizing marijuana has been as harmless as uh, some of the states would suggest but i also don't know that it's as harmful as some of the states would suggest that's uh, that's why i say it's like you know i need more research on the subject i would want to see more data on it 
in general, my gut feeling is that I'm a, or, you know, I'm against recreational. And again, it's if they can find ways to make medical marijuana safe, and if they can find medical uses for it, that's not just an excuse to have it, then medical marijuana could have potential. Just like you would not use, uh, just, just like you have uh, opioids that do cause problems, um, but the plant itself can actually be chewed on and acts as a very mild pain reliever and was an herbal remedy for years, uh, there may be a God-given reason for these plants and like kind of what they would be used. Like you're saying is this is a God-given plant. This is natural. Um, if it, if tobacco is legal and alcohol is legal, why is it? And the answer is, well, is it God given and natural for the reason of smoking it? <laughs> you mm, know, like that's, that's, um, that's a good point. We have everything from God. Uh, we have steel from God, but does God endorse murder when that's what, you know, we have lead from God, but does God endorse bullets? Mm. Um, God made rocks. I don't think he wanted a, uh, Cain to use it to kill Abel. Um, so I think that's very smart. I think that is a, you know, and, and being open to, to the data is, is really important, I think. But you mentioned something that we haven't, we haven't touched on yet, and that is small business. And I think small business, which is the backbone, it's the lifeblood of not only North Carolina, but it's the lifeblood of the United States of America. So you want it, you talked about wanting to make life easier. So when we've got about eight minutes left and uh, on this, you want to make life easier for small business and to encourage small businesses to grow and to develop. What is it that North Carolina could do for small business, for North Carolina small business owners that would encourage them to grow and to develop their business more? Say that one more time is what would I do for? What would, what would you advocate for in the legislature as a as a, a congressman as a house representative in north carolina to encourage more small business development and to help small business owners in north carolina what what is it what are some points that you would really advocate for in, at the legislature for that the name of the game is uh mainly deregulation and uh basically just defending small business system more regulation uh additionally speaking out on inflation and speaking out against government spending whether that be locally or nationally because both of those go into inflation which is the biggest threat against uh small businesses right now okay additionally we should definitely um and i think we also did a little bit of this in the last uh the last session where we um took away a little bit i believe we did already regulate some of the governor's emergency powers and we need to ensure that the governor does not have the ability to shut down bars like he did last time and restaurants like he did last time for so long, you know, I mean, um, these are, these are, um, small, small businesses. These are, you know, these are our friends and neighbors and uh, the government does not have a right to say whether or not, uh, business is essential. You know, it doesn't have a right to say whose livelihood is essential. True. So, you know, and that, that also speaks to medical freedom. You know, and and you've been endorsed by the North Carolina Grassroots Government Group, and yes. and big a lot of that has to do with medical freedom. So you're totally opposed to the government requiring businesses, small businesses particularly, 
to require vaccine mandates or or masks or anything like that. Talk, talk to us about that. So I'm totally opposed for the government to um, I'm totally opposed to the government requiring any of that. Um, I am also opposed for any business to require um, any sort of controversial vaccine uh, for their employees to take it like that. Nobody should lose their livelihood because they're not willing to take a vaccine, especially one made with experimental um, aspects and especially one made that had to do with uh, what was it you said earlier that some of our congressmen have voted to support because fetal that's one cells. of the vaccines that did it. it is involved with fetal cells. And so you should not be required to inject that into your body in the first place. And we should really question whether or not those uh, should be on the market in the first place. In fact, that's why we need to be speaking out against these congressmen on fetal cell research. That should not be legal there and no vaccine made from it. Uh, should be legal. I mean, I suppose if they had the information and they weren't directly in it from that point on, then like those are, you know, past sins that are no longer in the product. That's one thing. But if there is, if it's actively being used to create, if it is a necessary component, um, I don't, I don't know how much good it can done because nothing, I don't think anything good can come from ending the life of an unborn child. So just to be clear, and I'm going to push you, just to be clear. It was a Republican who made the statement about the fetal cells. And so you're willing, yes or no, to stand up and, and even call out and call down fellow Republicans you're who make egregious stands. You're referring to Representative Richard Hudson. And yeah, I'm willing to say I disagree with him on that vote. Correct. Good. I mean, that's, that's and any Republican. Pretty yes. much, you're willing to 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 oppose any Republican, even your own, in your own party, anybody Absolutely. who is, makes an egregious stand like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, Richard Hudson has done a lot of good, um, and sure. I disagree with him on that vote. And you know, I'm very disappointed because that's a big issue. Pro life is very important to me, and uh, um, and that is um. Yeah, I mean, like, it's, I, I vehemently disagree with that. And I, I really do hope he didn't think about it in that way when he voted on it. I hope he didn't say, mm, unborn baby cells. Yes, I'm going to vote to use those. Yeah, and that's that's fair. I think that's a, that is very fair that we probably haven't considered. So last three and a half minutes here, you versus your opponent. Uh, take about, about two minutes uh, telling me, What's the difference between you and David Ashley and Neil Jackson? All right. Well, uh, the difference is that I'm the only one who's actually worked as a conservative activist against any uh, Republican that I disagreed with. In 2020, I worked on a primary challenge against Senator Tillis uh, because I disagreed with him on policy. That's something that neither of my opponents can say. I'm the only one proven to actually go after Republicans when they need to be gone after I knocked on 7,000 doors for President Trump in 2020 to elect President Trump and other Republicans and other conservatives, um, including Mark Robinson. He was one of the ones I was most excited to uh, knock doors for. And that would really be the main difference is that I have done a lot of the uh, work getting the conservatives that uh, we have today elected. And frankly, I'm running because I'm tired of helping somebody get elected just to have them misunderstand a bill, just to have them not vote the way they need to vote. And I'm running again to help the small businesses of the uh, of our district to make sure that every family has the same opportunity at the American dream uh, 
that my family did. And again, I'm the only one in the race who's running on those issues. That's, that's, uh, I mean, that's pretty clear. And, and I also want to just wrap up by saying this, that uh, Carolina conservatives, preachers with a punch here, Alan, uh, Pastor Alan Mashburn and I specifically invited uh, Neil Jackson to be a part, uh, to come on to our, our program and to, uh, and to answer the exact same questions that, that Corey has come on and, and gracefully answered. And uh, Neil Jackson has turned us down so far. Uh, so just want to make that clear that we did invite him. And we have also invited David Ashley, as a matter of fact. And uh, we have not heard back from David Ashley, but the, the invitation still stands for him to come on and talk to either Alan or myself and, uh, or both of us. And, uh, but we really appreciate Corey for coming on and being completely open. And, uh, and we, hit it, we hit you with some difficult questions, and we, we appreciate you being willing to think about and to understand, wait till you understand the fullness of, a, of a, an issue before you make a decision. So we really appreciate that, Corey. Absolutely. I thank you. Um, I thank you so much for coming on. And I would like to, um, I would like to ask a question kind of based on that um, to um, my opponents. Um, in fact, actually, David Ashley, um, he did, he's actually done a pretty good job of, uh, you know, telling the positions. Um, I've been able to kind of discuss with him, find issues that we are different on, find issues that we agree on. Um, you know, I definitely, you know, very, very respectful. Um, me and David Ashley have both been um, given A ratings by the NRA. Uh, we have both been given A ratings. Uh, in fact, we were both suggested votes from NC Grassroots. Um, not, I'm sorry, yeah, North Carolina Grassroots which is uh, the pro-gun organization, uh, not to be just confused with NC uh, Grassroots Government, which has endorsed me. All right. So final statements that uh, what, what's the difference between you and your opponents, between you and Neil Jackson, between you and David Ashley? What are some similarities? What are some differences? Why would anyone want to vote for, should vote for Corey Bortree versus voting for um, uh, David Ashley or, um, or Neil Jackson? Because I'm the only candidate that's done the work in the party and actually proven myself as willing to go against Republicans that need to be gone against. In 2020, I worked against uh, Tom Tillis because uh, he voted on issues I disagreed with. And um, in 2020, I also then knocked on 7,000 doors for President Trump and other conservatives on the ballot um, to ensure that North Carolina went red. Um, that's something that uh, neither of my other opponents can say. Uh, neither of the people in the, uh, neither of the others in the, none of the others in this race can say. <laughs> um, I've worked in uh, Raleigh. I've kind of seen how it goes. I'm running because I'm tired of helping somebody get elected just to have them switch on their values once they're there. Um, you know, I'm as conservative as they come. And I, again, the difference here that I want people to know is that I'm willing to stand up for what I believe in. 100%. And I am running to protect small businesses, to end inflation, and to pass real school choice. Mm. That's great. That's fantastic. Well, I, I, I really wish you the best. I think that uh, you've, got some, you've got some really great ideas. And how old are you again, Corey? So uh, I'm 22 years old. I'll be 23 sworn in. I did want to say uh, currently on the marijuana issue, currently, um, I still would probably 
vote no on the bills that I've seen so far. Um, again, I want I want to specify that because I don't want to have other groups who have said, "Oh, you said you were anti-marijuana, come back." and say you're you're not anti i'm i'm anti-marijuana i don't think that it's a good idea to uh just pass legislation legalizing stuff that we don't understand and i'm not sure we fully understand it and uh so no i probably would not support recreational marijuana although again you did raise interesting points and i need to know i'm going to be studying more on uh, how to answer it and how is it different from alcohol that's a very good question to me because obviously we know prohibition didn't work so we need to find ways to actually be effective in protecting the civilians. And also if it can be made into some sort of uh, medicine, in fact, hemp is like this, where hemp had all these good uses, but it was accidentally banned because it fell into the same category. So we do need to look at how these laws are written. I think the wording of the law is honestly many times more important than the name of the law. In fact, all the time more important than the name of the law. Um, and that really, that really sums it up for me. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that the current law out there that is, uh, and I can't remember exactly the name of it, but it is, it's, it's cleverly worded to make it look like that it's a carry that we care. Um, I, I, I am, I'll be honest with you, a, a proponent of, uh, of medical marijuana. I think I've seen it work, um, not smoked, but used in pill form the way it should be. Um, I've seen it work. I've seen it. It really benefits others, but I have, uh, but, uh, the, I would ag agree with you and vote against the current bill that's out there because it is, it's kind of smarmy how they are trying to word it to where it looks so positive and looks so, uh, so easy and not so ne nefarious, but yet we, uh, you know, and to, to try to push it through without having all the data. You're right. I think it's, it's important that we have all the data. Absolutely. Cool. Well, Corey, I appreciate you coming on Carolina Conservatives uh, Preachers with a punch here, and we are thrilled to have had you on here. And we will be posting this uh, this interview on all of our major platforms and also on Facebook. And and uh, we uh, once we get everything put together correct, and and uh, because we, of of our technology issues that we always, but always it's always technology, isn't it? That's that's the biggest issue. So. But we appreciate you coming on and we wish you the best of luck as you uh, in your race. Absolutely. Thank you so much. All right. God bless. God bless.